0: 1 Timothy 4 and 12, 1 Timothy 4 and 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhorting, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thou profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine continue in them. Or in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now before I give you a title this morning, I want to read you a little story, and you can be seated. A little girl sat at breakfast with her parents one morning, and dad was reading the newspaper. Mom was making waffles, and the little girl sat wide-eyed staring at her orange juice she thought for a minute and then she asked this question daddy he said yes honey she said jesus is god is that right he said yes baby that's it and then she said then god lives in our hearts and he said right yes sweetie god lives in our hearts Okay, she said. Then she sat there a little while and took a sip of her orange juice, and then she asked another question. She said, Daddy? He said, Yes, sweetie. How big is God? Well, God is really big. Remember the song we like to sing, He's got the whole world in His hands? Yeah, she answered. And he says, God is big enough to hold the whole world in his hands and he said that's big isn't it baby and she said yes that's really big and she seemed content with the answer and then she began again sat there quietly and just sipped on her orange juice and then she came up with another statement she said daddy if God is really that big and he lives in my heart Shouldn't he be sticking out? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Shouldn't God be sticking out in our lives? So many times things are sticking out and showing in our lives that really shouldn't be showing. Sometimes we do things we really shouldn't be doing. Amen? Amen? I know. I know. Nobody in here has ever done anything wrong. But if, if you know, none of you've ever made any mistakes. I, I, I just know that this is such a perfect group of people that nobody has ever been wrong. You've never done anything wrong. You've always treated people right. You've always said the right things, done the right things. Can you say, Amen? <clears throat> The Borlick's going to be given an altar call later on today And it'll be good for you uh, to find your way up here And and ask God to forgive you of that And by the way they're doing such an awesome job Aren't we glad to have them I think we in America are searching for good lives We all want to have a good home a good car or two or three, a good vacation. We want good marriages, good children, good friends, good times, good food, good health, and lots of money. And not many people make their goal in life to have bad cars and bad homes and bad children and bad friends and bad marriages, bad family, bad food, bad health, and no money. Nobody really wants that. It's natural for us to desire better than we have. Can you say amen? Amen. People are constantly looking for a change in their lives. They're dissatisfied with who they are and what they are. They think that changing their house, their car, their pet, their spouse, their church, Will make them happy. We spend our days earning money. We spend our nights and our weekends finding and planning ways to spend all of the money that we take in. We have filled up our schedules to the point where we find it difficult to even sit down and have a dinner with our families because it takes us away from our phones. <laughs> And we're losing the art of conversation with our families. We sometimes actually prefer to get an answering machine rather than speak to the person in person because we want to say what we want to say without having to listen to them or waste time listening to them. So we prefer to get an answering service. People everywhere today are looking for a better life. Politicians know all about this. And they promise us in every election, they declare and promise to us that our country will be better under my administration. Marketing advisors know this also, for it seems that every commercial that people see and hear Try to convince them if you just had this product, you'd have a better life. However, the way to a better life is not found in politicians, it's not found in money, success, or any other temporal thing. A better life has nothing to do with our homes in which we live, our cars we drive, our status. In this life, there's only one thing that can give you a better life, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ, understanding who he is and what he can do for you will give you a better life. Amen. Jesus fairly clearly said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Some people think that Jesus meant you can have all the stuff you want if you come serve me. But Jesus clearly taught us that the abundant life is not about things, but it's rather about a quality of life found in him and him only. Some people have a difficult time being in the church and living for God and having God direct their footsteps. Don't feel sorry for me for making that choice in life and living this way. I enjoy living for God. I really do. Well, I don't like all the rules and regulations. Well, you just don't like living down here, do you? I mean, have you ever tried to uh, do any remodeling job in, in, in this county? What is it, Travis County? You ever tried to do any remodeling? You're going to have rules and regulations, I promise you. But are you going to burn your house down because of that? You're going to say, I, I, I don't like rules and regulations. I'm going to just burn my house down. I'm not going to worry about that. So a lot of people have trouble Submitting to God because they think God's unfair and unjust. All the rules and regulations that I found in the Word of God are for one reason. That is to help me go into the kingdom of God, stay in the kingdom of God, and ultimately make heaven. You know, mirrors are a very valuable thing. How many of you, just tell me, looked in the mirror Today already. You've looked in the mirror. I could tell some of you didn't look. You didn't have to raise your (laughs) hand. You should have raised your hand. I wouldn't have said that. But some of you didn't raise your hand. So I had to say that. We all use these remarkable things called mirrors every day in our life. Some of you more than others. They enable us to see how we shave and brush our hair and comb our hair. We check our teeth to see if we have broccoli stuck in them. Mirrors help us get dressed and just so many uses that we can use a mirror with. Mirrors enable us to see if we look presentable enough to meet other people. A mirror helps us to see uh, what we look like at a particular time and place. You look different at different places and different times and different clothes. And when you look in a mirror, the mirror doesn't change the way you look. It only reveals and reflects what you really are. I know some of you look in a mirror and you say, oh, I wish I could look like that. Or I wish I would be like that. And I'm, I'm thinking I wish I had hair. Like some of these guys do, and you know, and you're looking at me and saying, I wish I had muscles like Brother Gandhi. I understand all that. I understand that. Mirrors don't lie to us. They do not lie, they tell the truth. Basically, when you pick up a mirror and look, what you see is what you get. I mean, it's basically telling you this is who you are. It had been a long day for the clerk at a cosmetic counter having been on her feet all day long. She was looking forward uh, to going home and just before the doors closed, a man came running up to her frantically and said, tomorrow is my wife's birthday. I don't have anything for her. What do you recommend? And so the clerk brought out a nice bottle of perfume, about $150, and he gasped, and he said, well, oh, that's way too expensive. So she held up a bottle that cost about $50, and he said, ooh, lady, that's nice, but uh, that's that's too expensive also. Don't you have something a little more less expensive? And she uh, searched for a little a moment or two, and then she found something for $25. The husband looked at it and replied, that's still too expensive. What else do you have? Then she brought out the cheapest thing she had. It was a tiny $10 bottle of perfume. Now he was exasperated and he said, you don't understand me. I want you to show me something really cheap. She reached down under the counter and pulled up that mirror and said, Here, look at this. If you want to see something really cheap, take a look. This is it. If you want to see somebody faithful to church, what are you looking at? If you want to see a worshiper, what are you looking at? If you want to see somebody that's faithful with God in their tithe and offering, their giving, what are you looking at? If you want to find somebody that is submitted to God and submitted to their pastor, can you look in the mirror and say, well, I'm looking at one? Because if you can't, maybe you need to start working on yourself. When we look into the mirror, we see ourselves As we really are, however, that is not the only image the mirror reveals. Don't forget how other people see us. And most important is the image of how God sees us. How can someone look into the mirror and see themselves, then immediately walk away and forget what they look like? When you look, or when they look, they think, wait a minute, am I balding? Am I overweight? Is that a wrinkle? Is my hair turning gray? And if you see it, that's probably what it is. It's possible, or is it possible to look in the mirror and walk away and just forget about it? And think, that's not really me. I don't like that look. I don't want to be like that. But when you look, what you see is what you get. There are two reasons why this can happen. Number one, you do not believe the mirror is an accurate reflection of who you are. You do not trust the mirror that you're looking. It's probably a bad mirror, probably poor manufacturing, and so I just throw it away. I blame the mirror because I look the way I look. You don't trust the mirror. Have you ever been to a fun house at a carnival or a fair and walked in and see some of those mirrors? They have certain mirrors designed to make you look uh, not as you really are. You stand in front of one mirror, you look extremely muscular. Um, you know, it, I like standing in front of that mirror. You can stand in front of another mirror and, and look short and fat you can stand another mirror and look 10 foot tall and skinny as a rail obviously these mirrors are not an accurate reflection of who you really are so you walk away from them and you forget about it because you know that's not really you but when you look in the mirror and see who you are you can't walk away and forget about it you can blame the mirror You can say, that's not really me, but really, whatever I'm looking at, when I look into that mirror, that's really me. It hasn't been too many times ago, too many trips down here. In fact, I think it was uh, a few months ago, I was here preaching for y'all, and I had hair. (laughs) I look at me now, and I don't. Some of you are thinking, well, what happened? I shaved it off. I got COVID and it started falling out. I had spots all over my head. Still do. You can see them if you look real close. There's only one way to do it, just get rid of it. Sometimes you look in the mirror and you say, Well man, am I really that heavy? Am I really that heavy? Am I really that heavy? <laughs> and you can you can say, No, that's not me. That's gotta be somebody else. And there's only one thing you do about it get a new mirror. What do you do? You have to change yourself. You have to make an effort. You have to work on yourself. The second reason that you can look in a mirror and forget what you're looking at because you're being deceived. This often happens uh, to people with eating disorders, alcohol and drug abuse. People that are experiencing depression or being oppressed by the enemy. These people are not willing to believe what the mirror is reflecting. They're not willing to remove the veil that is covering their eyes and look deeply into the truth of what the mirror is really showing them. If you could rate your life on a scale of 1 to 10 today, what would you give yourself if 10 being the best... And one being very bad. If you could rate yourself on that scale, what would you rate yourself? And I'm talking about an overall rating, one that takes all aspects of your life into account your understanding of who you are, your relationships, your enjoyment with life, your sense of satisfaction, and don't just rate your life according to your current circumstances. All of us go through good and bad times. Think more about the overall picture, who you are, how you're doing, how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and give yourself a rating on one to 10. Take a second and think about it. Don't just grab a number How would you rate your life on a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, and you think about it right now. You can do this with your marriage if you're willing to hear the truth. You can ask your spouse, how am I doing on one to ten, and I can pick on this couple here, they're on staff I'm not going to ask her, Brother Omar. We'll be embarrassed. I'm telling you, we'll be embarrassed. I'm not going to do you that way, and you don't do me that way, okay? But on a scale of 1 to 10, if I ask her, how is he doing, she's probably going to say about 5. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been even lower than that sometimes. But what you do after she tells you five, don't punch her. Don't get mad at her. Don't say, well, I'll just divorce you. If you love her, which you must, you're holding her hand right now. It might be he's holding it to keep her from hitting him, you know. But you ask her, okay, you tell me I'm a five. I love you. You love me. I want our marriage to be good. What can I do to bring myself up to a ten? And I promise you, she can tell you. You know, we don't do that because we don't like what we hear. You men will never do that. You won't do it because if your wife tells you a five or six, you get mad. You don't want to listen to her. You don't want to hear what she's got to say you just like being a 5. But if you really want to know, tell your wife. I won't get mad at you. I won't. I won't throw a fit. How am I doing? She says a 5 said, so, "Well, baby, what can I do?" And you'd be surprised. Most of the time it's not very much to move you up the scale. God, how am I doing? <laughs> On a scale of one to 10. God, how am I doing? And then we don't like what God says to us. But if you'll listen to God, he'll tell you how you can get better. If you'll listen to preaching and teaching when you go to church and stay off, and stay off your phone during church, Boy, I slipped that one in the back door, didn't I? I got people in my church, they think that I think they've got an angelic glow around their head because they light up during church. I know that it's the light coming off of their phone. I know it is. They sit there and spend their time on their phone and they wonder why their marriage is a mess, why their church life is a mess, why they can't submit, why they can't pray, why they don't want to worship, why they don't want to pay their tithes, why they don't want to be part of anything because their heart's not in it. They're not listening to God. God is trying to speak to us through his word. Through preaching and teaching, we've got to listen to him. What about our relationships? Are there people or principles that need to be considered differently? Well, Jesus summed all of our lives in two sentences. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus made that, and we all believe it. Amen? And then he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love other people. If you can do those two things every moment of every day of your life, God will see a reflection that is very pleasing to him. When God provided his expectations of his people, he gave them a very precise summary of how to live life in order to become a perfect 10. He gave us the perfect 10. We call that summary the Ten Commandments. It's too bad that there are some segments of our society that would like to remove all public reminders and display of the Ten Commandments. But I can promise you one thing. Any public official or lobbyist who gets upset about public reminders of the Ten Commandments is not living his life the way God wants him to live it. If you look closely at the Ten Commandments, you'll see that they're broken down into two basic categories. Those that have to do with loving God, which is those that speak of loving, and the second one is those that speak of loving others. And this is not a coincidence. Let's look at them. And I only have about four minutes. The first four all have to do with loving God. He said, have no other gods before me. He wants God to be number one. No, no idols, no substitutes for God. God's name is holy. Don't take God for granted. The Sabbath is holy. Time spent with God is a priority. So we see the first four commandments are about God. And then the next six all have to do with loving others. Honor your parents. Respect and submission are very critical and important skills for us to have. No murder. Don't commit murder. Life is priceless. Don't commit adultery. Commitment in your, in your family is necessary. No stealing. Don't deny others what God's given them. No lying, be truthful. God expects truthful people. And no greed, be satisfied and content. Loving God, loving people. Somewhere along the line, the Bible got a bad reputation of being just a list of do's and don'ts. And you may have noticed that a lot of these instructions are in the negative, thou shalt not. What happens to a person to cause them to not see the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts and to feel that God is fair and reasonable? What happens to them to cause them to see it that way? Jesus made it very clear in John 14:15, Jesus said, "If you love me, keep my commandments." Remember what he said? Loving God, loving people. All the commandments, all the prophets hang or hinge on these two commandments. Love comes into the formula. And when our service becomes love-driven, our lives move from all about me to all about God and all about other people. Every moment of our life belongs to God. We go about our daily lives not realizing the incredible opportunity that God gives us to be a light to those that are walking in darkness or to be flavor to those that have no seasoning in their life. Every relationship and responsibility in your present life pays an eternal part in the divine script of God. How you act, what you do, what you say, how you treat people, how you respond is noticed by everyone. Every day of our lives, people are watching us. And that's why I say we have got to have God sticking out in our lives. We've got to have God show it in our lives. If we allow God to show, we're going to influence people. We're going to change our world. We're going to see great things happen. But we've got to allow God to show forth in our lives like never before. Would you stand? I wish I had more time, but I'm fighting the taco wagon. And Brother and Sister Borlick are going to come in, and I think you're going to enjoy them. Somebody said, oh, that's for kids. I was as excited as any kid in that place, I'm telling you. I like the way they entertain, but they bring it down to a point that you you should have been here and seen those mouse traps on his ears and his lip, his hands. I'm telling you, I don't know how the man did it. They did incredible, brought a point into those kids' heart. We found them in the altar. And I, I believe, didn't you say Aspen got the Holy Ghost last night? I think we've got 15 minutes. Go get you a taco, take a break, get you something to drink, greet our guests, make them feel welcome, and we'll see you in about 15 minutes.